0: Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace.
1: Hello once again for the Growing in Grace podcast, The Cap here, I'm Mike Kapler, and, uh, with me, I've got the guy who still dresses up as the Kool-Aid Man. Oh Halloween. yeah! Oh
0: yeah! <laughs> Kool-Aid's here. You ever seen that? A, you fun. You ever seen that that meme where it's got you know like the the big bad wolf tries to huff and puff and throw the and blow down the house the brick house of the three pigs? Well, it's got the um, the big bad wolf making a deal with the Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, so he's not going to huff and puff anymore but the kool-aid man is going to break through that wall Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah gotcha
0: <laughs> oh yeah i loved those commercials as a kid i never I did drink, dress i used to drink the them Kool-Aid in man. Used to drink them in drink it in man all okay, right that's give me a your wrestling. favorite
1: kool-aid flavor
0: oh i uh, cherry oh, okay pretty simple we're close Black
1: cherry, black cherry. Come on, that'll work. That'll work. That works. And, and and did you ever make those Jello things out of them?
0: I don't think so. I made Jello things out oh, of Jello. Yeah,
1: I can't remember if it was. Uh, <laughs> that's how bad <laughs> things are, when the years go by so fast. I, I don't know if it was my mom or my wife or maybe it was both. But when the we, either we were small or the kids were small, you'd you'd just you know, you'd chill them. You'd make this Kool Aid Jello stuff and you'd chill them. No. Oh
0: little okay. squares. Yeah, I just think we did that with jello. Yeah, well it was we kind of like Kool-Aid. it was like jello but it was <laughs> made purely out of Kool-Aid. Out of Kool-Aid, huh? Now we used to with the Kool-Aid though. We would make the frozen pops. You know, you'd make them in your freezer. You, so you'd fill out, Those were good. You'd fill yep, out those the things and put the popsicle thing in and yeah. I love those. Yeah,
1: that we would make those in between when the popsicle man would drive around. <laughs>
0: the popsicle man, oh man. And and he's going down and and it's like so you'd be like he'd be going by and you're like mom 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 (laughs) ice cream man ice cream man i know gotta get some money (laughs)
1: for him with their nickels back then yeah and uh it's it's a little different than now now back in my day joel the 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 popsicle guy as we call them not the ice cream man we just call him the popsicle man okay he would ride around in one of these I guess the the best way I can describe it is like a golf cart. It was like a three wheeler. I had one wheel in the front, two in the back, and he had his big freezer thing on the back of it. It wasn't like these creepy vans that drive around now with
0: this (laughs) weird music. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. He just rang a bell. He'd ride around his three wheeler ringing a bell.
0: Oh, okay. I never, you're a decade-ish, not quite older than me. So, yeah, that's, that's probably from your day. When you were a kid, <laughs> yeah, but we had. It was speaking it was of three. A long time. Ago. Speaking of three wheeler, we had. I so I lived in England as a kid for uh, in the late seventies, and at that time we had a three wheeler um, milk truck that would deliver the milk, put it on our doorstep every morning, and take our empties away, or whenever we. Got, I don't know if it was every day, but little pints of milk. We would have usually get like three pints of milk, and with a little uh, aluminum um cap that's how they say it over there and um and then glass just, bottles right glass bottles yep and then the cream at the top so you had to always shake it up um but that's how we got our milk back then and with a little three-wheeled truck i always thought that thing's gonna tip over but it never did I never saw it happen
1: <laughs> <laughs> um all right let's get into what we're talking about today here on the growing and grace podcast uh hebrews 4 12 Joel, I, I mentioned this in the past, but growing up, somehow I got that, I probably got them from the Christian bookstore or something as a, as a child, but I, I was trying to look, learn and memorize Bible verses. I, by the way, I don't, I don't really do that anymore I, because the context is often missed when we just chop up little tiny Bible verses. We, we miss the context. Um, but one of the, I, I can remember it, there, there, was, there were some that just really stuck out at me, uh, and, and this was one of them. Hebrews 4.12. This was one of my little index cards that I picked up at the bookstore. You'd memorize this, and then you would be good to go for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. For, I guess. I don't know <laughs> what the reason was. Yep. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart new king james version so how many can i see a show of hands you too joel uh can how many think that this was talking about the bible as we know it hmm. ah quite a few hands are up out there joel what what do you make of that
0: yeah that's that's what i had always been taught and before i began um looking at things more in context and things, um, that's that's what I that's what I probably would have said. Um, that the word of God, the word of God, it's the word of God. You pick up your Bible. The word, of, hold up the word of God, people. I remember in church, people hold up your Bible. The word of God. I believe what the word of God says. And as we've been talking about the last two weeks, we're not putting down the Bible. This has nothing to do with that. But we're. It's interesting that where we get these things when we take things out of context. And you think that since it says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, people think that it's their Bible that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so that's where a lot of people get the idea that the, the Bible itself never has anything contrary in it or, or anything wrong with it and so on and so forth. And so, again, we're not bashing that, but, w- but if you continue reading on here— It's really interesting. And I was also just looking at the context before this. It's talking about the rest that God gives. And without getting into all that, you know, it says in verse 11 of chapter 4, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. So God gives a rest. And I believe that when it says, let us be therefore diligent to enter that rest, it's lest anyone fall short fall lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience talking about the disobedience of the Israelites who um, out of unbelief did not enter the promised land it's entering that rest that it for people who don't believe yet it says he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. We who believe, it says, have entered that rest. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. And so I believe that there's a rest that remains, and that's for people who don't believe. For the, and then, so then it says right after that, L- let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful. It's talking about a rest given by God. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit so in your mind in my mind i was thinking that's the bible it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow but here's where it kind of tripped me up and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart that's the end of verse 12 and then verse 13 says and there is no creature hidden from his sight so the bible is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart? The, there's no creature hidden from the sight of the Bible? <laughs> uh, so uh, it's interesting here that we don't read all that is said here, or we do, but we still think that the word of God being talked about here is the Bible. Whereas we have other contexts, other parts of the scriptures actually tell us that the word in the beginning was the word and that's Jesus. The word of God, Jesus, is living and powerful. He is sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus pierces even through the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. Jesus is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from Jesus' sight, His from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, Jesus, to whom we must give account. That's what is being talked about here it's not it's not talking about any scripture or any bible or anything like that but the word of god here is jesus and it, hopefully that should be understood and accepted by by many people uh, especially when they see the context here
1: well you gave some context leading up to that but it was really talking about jesus mm-hmm. and then we hit 412 and 413 the The problem here, I think sometimes, Joel, is sort of like what I talked about when we opened up here. we We memorize verses, and as we're reading this, we can't help but see that these are different verses here. so i I always was of the assumption. Well, verse 12 says this about the Bible, and now verse 13 says there's no creature hidden from his sight. It's almost like it's a whole different topic because (laughs) it's a different verse, (laughs) a whole different thought, a whole different process, Um, and it's not. There is no creature hidden from his sight. It it ties into what he was just saying. All things are naked and open to the eyes of of him to whom we must give an account, but he keeps going from there. He keeps talking about Jesus. Seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. That's one of the amazing things about, I think, especially a couple books in the Bible. Hebrews is one of them. Um, To me, Romans and Galatians is is another one, but there's this constant communication going on that they get back to a little bit later on. I mean here he's talking about Jesus the high priest in chapter 4. Man, jump ahead to chapter 7. It, mm. It's it's almost like there's nothing in between. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> And, and I mean, we can even go to here. Let me, let me flip over chapter one of Hebrews and the first few verses of, of the letter, keeping in mind that the whoever, whoever wrote this, there's speculation as to who it was, whether it was Paul or Barnabas or somebody else, um, that he's writing to, to Jewish people here, trying to convince them that Jesus is, is the way yes. uh, ultimately, and that the old covenant law was put aside, uh, but he says this, um, let's see, he is the radiance. So he's already talking about Jesus, really, uh, because he says this, long ago, many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, the Jewish prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And and so God has spoken to us through his son, uh, the the, the high priest, uh, the one who purified sins, who took them away, sat down at the right hand of God as the high priest. And so there's this this theme that's going on in, in the book of Hebrews. And and don't forget uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, the very first couple of verses there. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Uh, all things were created by Him, through Him. Jesus is the living Word. And as Joel said, that's, that's not to... Uh, you know minimize the bible or or anything like that but we want to be careful not to confuse the two the the bible is not god mm-hmm. <laughs> the the bible points us to god and and so it's easy for sometimes to to fall into bible worship and and forget that we're believers in Christ, not believers in the Bible. Uh, that's that's the important thing to point out. Remember what what Jesus told the the Pharisees and people like them at the time. He said, you know, you embrace these scriptures, you 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 hold on to them, you hang on to them, but they they point to me. Uh, they they don't give you life. I'm the one who gives you life. You talk about the scriptures but you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The scriptures point to me is essentially what what Jesus was saying. Joel, I saw something uh, posted recently on social media, and and they asked this question, and these can be fun, interactive questions. Name something about God that you grew up believing and later learned it is not in the Bible. Well, the first thing that popped into my head was, there's a whole bunch of stuff I grew up believing that was in the Bible, but it was just taken so far out of context and taught in a way that wasn't right that it was completely misunderstood by people like me. And so there's a lot of things out there that are biblical. We love to use that phrase, don't we? Is it biblical? (laughs) Well, I think that's biblical. Ooh, what he taught today was so biblical. Um, (laughs) It can be biblical without being true. Right. Yeah,
0: anyway, I'll hand that back over to you. Because, yeah, because you can have... We can go many ways with that, but I won't. I won't. But I mean, it's just like yeah. You can I, didn't have, mean
1: to, I didn't mean to hand you a hand grenade.
0: Right? But. Yeah. You could have ten different people looking at the same thing in the Bible in the Bible and have ten different views, and so in each one think that their view is quote biblical. But so we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. But um, I, just a side note on this thing from Hebrews. One thing I just was looking at, you know. So it says, "Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience." And so people begin to take this as a as a warning to Christians for the word of god is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart it's like your thought you better be careful with your thoughts and with the intents of your heart you know, they bring sin into this. Like, you know, the day, you know, they tie this passage into people sinning. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, remember, though, the context here is let us be diligent to enter that rest. He's talking to these Jewish people, some of them who are kind of teetering on. Am I going to go back with the, bulls, the blood of bulls and goats or am I going to go with the sacrifice of Christ for sins? Um, but what it says, but we keep on reading like, like you had done verse 14, seeing that we then have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession as a confession of him, the confession of what Christ has done for. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. With our weaknesses, but yet in all points was tempted as we are, and yet without sin. So it's it, this is actually saying, look at how you can trust Jesus. The, your confession of Jesus is a solid confession. It's it's a good one. Um, don't go back to the unbelief. You know, by going to the blood of bulls and goats, like you said. Look ahead to chapter seven, eight, nine, and ten. It look, it talks about all this stuff. But verse sixteen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need this is an exhortation to come boldly to the throne of grace this isn't like a warning like you better just watch what you're doing it's saying look jesus is our great high priest he's he can he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted, but yet was, was without sin, therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace. So all of this thing about Jesus being the word of God, living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged. So all of that, it's not telling us, you better watch what you're doing. It's le- mm-hmm. the, the writer is leading us to saying, we can come to the throne of grace because that's who Jesus is. And so if we think of Jesus as, well, I'm just here to wag my finger and, and point out your weaknesses and your sins, um, we're, we're missing the whole point. The whole point is come boldly to the throne of grace.
1: Here. Well, yeah. I mean, what you brought out there just uh, put a light bulb over my head when you when you stop and look at this. And then even go into the next chapter, chapter 5, and begin to see. And as you said, keep going. Yes. Man, 7, 8, 9, and 10, they really heat up. But remember, this, this writer, is, 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 it's a constant, a constant contrast between the Jewish priesthood, the Jewish way of, of getting to God through the old covenant, versus the new covenant with the new high priest, Jesus. With the old high priest, who was only allowed to go into the Holy of Holies at a certain time of the year, this high priest is, is quite different. You can now come boldly into his throne of grace. To obtain mercy, to find grace and and and, and help in time of need, uh, we we have a high priest that's it's different. He can actually sympathize with our weaknesses. He's not like the old high priest right. under the Jewish system, which couldn't take away sins. Uh, so I just thought I would just add that to what you were saying there, because this is really all about Jesus, and that's really what the Bible is. Even even the Old Testament scriptures, they they were really about. Jesus. It was it was all, you know, kind of a river flowing in that direction of the cross.
0: This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Breezykey, heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting GrowingandGrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.